I like feel like I need a burp, but I can't make it happen. So I guess I just won't do it. <laughs> You'll refrain out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Love you. All right, you ready to go? Love you yeah. too. <laughs> Welcome back to the green light. The green light. Spooky edition. Spooky, spooky, spooky. It is right now October 13th. You're going to be hearing this as early as October 16th. Yeah. And it's we're in the midst of spooky season. We are are, in the midst. We are knee deep. Halfway through. uh, I'd say we're waist deep then. Yeah, we're we're waist, waist deep. deep in spooky season right now. So, like we said before, like we said on our Instagram, if you're not following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, go do that. Links in our description. But we got some spooky themed episodes for you. Spooky yeah. detours, spooky scripts. Our script this week is not necessarily spooky. There's some aliens and stuff. There are some, there are mentions of aliens at the very least. Our script this week is My Life is a Sitcom by Jeshu Run Young. It's very good. It's really I, fun. I really enjoy the script, especially if you have watched a sitcom ever in your life. <laughs> I think I think you'll really appreciate the script just because yeah. it takes a lot of tropes of sitcoms and it throws them at you. It's great. We had a great interview as well, so that's coming up for you in just a bit. Yeah. Also, another fun thing. Um, this won't be coming out for a couple more months, but yes. um, this writer also sent us some other really interesting works that are very different from this one. So we actually have one of those that we're going to be reading um, for our road trip episode later in the year, probably coming out in December. So be on the lookout for that. Anywho, so yes, that's what we're doing. But before we get to that, let's do a quick housekeeping things. I was yeah. going to start into it, but I'll wait for a second. So yes, uh, we now have a YouTube channel now in case do. you don't know. So go subscribe to us on that. Hit that sp- smash that subscribe button smash absolutely it. demolish that Destroy subscribe button it. yeah once again right now we only have up some of the recordings of our episodes but i think we're gonna start doing some video content uh, yeah, i think it would be a while, good goal yeah. for us at lauren we haven't talked about this but i think it would uh, be a good goal for us to do maybe like one video a week of just different ooh, topics that's a lot of pressure but i'll i will take up we'll the helm. work up to that We'll work up to yeah. that. Not, yeah, be on the lookout It's not going to happen content. next week. It's not going to happen the week after, uh. but <laughs> it, it is going to happen. And if you have any ideas for videos you'd like to see us do, maybe like lists, I love a list. I'll click on a list, a list video at any time, top 10 or something like that. We'd be happy to do something like that. So just uh, shoot us an email, drop us a comment on YouTube, Instagram, yeah. Twitter, whatever. Uh, speaking of which, follow us on those. Uh, leave us a review on itunes sorry i just lost consciousness for a second there (laughs) so yes leave us a review on itunes we would love it patreon also yeah would be huge so as we have previously discussed my birthday is next week yes that's true so if you're listening to this on the day this episode comes out it's coming out in less or not coming out uh my birthday is in less than a week from the day this episode is released so if you love me and want to give me a great birthday present, subscribe to our Patreon. We have yeah. levels as low as a dollar and tons a single and tons dollar. of bonus content. That's $1 a month, $12 a year. That's less than any other subscription yeah. you can find ever. 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 So do it. Yes, please. Bet you won't. Bet you won't. But, and, but please do. do. Okay. Also, I just realized we oh. haven't talked about what we do here at the Green Light yet. This oh episode. gosh. Yeah, true. What uh, do we do, Lauren? Yeah. So <laughs> we read we read short plays and screenplays by new writers and interview them. Yes, and we they're do. Awesome. But before we get to that, 
Yes. We are going to do our detour segment. Once again, our spooky detour segment. <laughs> I might try to put in like a, a scary sound effect there. Bah-bah. Anywho, so basically we're going to talk about some spooky things we have consumed in the past week. This time it is all movies. So, all movies, all spooky, all, all spooky, all brand new, all new, all released yes. in the past few weeks. I'm actually really excited about that because I feel like sometimes the stuff we watch are, is we like did Poltergeist, older, you know, you know which is still cool in its own right. But it'll give you if you are wondering whether you should watch these movies, you can listen to us and then get sort of an idea of, of yeah. what it could be. So we have three. So we're going to be kind of brief on each of them. And what I want to do is I want to go in order of worst to first. Whichever one we like the least, to whichever one we like the most. And Lauren and I are going to start off with our least favorite on the count of three. One, two, three. Happy Vampires vs. the Bronx. Okay. I know. I knew that you were going to say that. Okay. I, Which, I respect your opinion. How about how about we do Vampires vs. the Bronx first? Because then that's live action, animated live action. That's fine. Okay, yeah. cool. So we're going to start with Vampires vs. the Bronx. Lauren has some specs for us. All right. So uh, the summary is Vampires vs. the Bronx is a 2020 comedy horror film directed by... Osmani, I'm sorry, Rodriguez, and written by also known the same as Oz guy Rodriguez. and Blaze Hemingway. Oh, that's true, Oz Rodriguez. Yeah. The film follows a group of teenagers who are forced to protect their neighborhood in the Bronx when a gathering of vampires invades. So basically, there are these vampires that invade, and it's kind of under the premise of gentrification. Yes. Like it's a bunch of white people coming in, buying up all the properties, um, and all these people in their neighborhood in the Bronx are just kind of disappearing. It's supposed to be like they moved out, but it's a little sus. It is very um, sus. Yeah. Yeah, very sus. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's basically these kids that's mostly these three boys trying to protect their neighborhood, save their neighborhood mm-hmm. um, against all the odds. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. So, so let's see. It was, uh, we already talked about the writer and the director, some of the cast uh, Sarah Gadon, Gadon, Coco Jones, Method Man, The Kid Marrow, Gregory Diaz IV, Shay Wiggum. Uh, Chris Red, Vladimir Kamanio. I'm sorry. Did you say Jaden Michael? Um, I did not. He's so yeah. him too, and Zoe Saldana. Yeah. So essentially, Zoe Saldana actually she's in the movie for two seconds. Very yeah, very very little. <laughs> Literally two seconds. This movie sort of stars a lot of unknowns and yeah. mostly kids. It sort of yeah. stars these three sort of teenage kids who live in the Bronx. And my personal opinion, a lot of movies that star kids really comes down to whether you like the kid actors for sure some movies have been ruined for me just because i just do not like the kids who are the main characters you do not like them i do not like them that is right (laughs) so i will say i did really like the three main kids in this one yeah i I thought they did a great job they have good chemistry they they got a good vibe going hold on Ugh, this is me returning from sneezing three times. You probably didn't hear it, but I'm going to be down and out. Lauren, say something for a second. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I thought this movie was fun. Um, my, I, I really like the kind of... Okay, should I, we, should no, I just start keep over? No, keep going, keep okay. going. Um, I really like the gimmick of sort of having the supernatural beings that are vampires, who are canonically, obviously, white, you know, very yes. pale. very pale boys um, and girls. Yes, um... And, and just kind of turning that into a gentrification thing, you know, and being I, like... I really like that premise, too. Yeah. I really do. I thought that was really cool. My only, I guess, criticism is that that premise is sort of revealed in its entirety in the trailer. Yeah. And we see it play out in the movie, but there aren't a ton of surprises, yeah. IMO. I agree. And 
I love, like I said, I love the chemistry. Most of the acting, I would say, is great overall. Yeah. I love the premise. I think it's really cool. Past that, I would say it's a very paint by the numbers. Doesn't surprise you. You know, it it well, it, it, side, it is what it is. You probably won't be scared. That's too true. Scared. I mean, what did you think of the comedy in this movie, Lauren? I thought it was fun. I wasn't like rolling, but like it was fun. I think it was fun. I wouldn't necessarily say it was like laugh out loud funny. No, definitely not. So, you know. The if, funniest line, I mean, it's in the trailer, so we could talk yes. about it. Uh, <laughs> we'll wait, because just in case people haven't seen the trailer, I don't want to spoil the funniest line okay. of the movie for them. And I wish there was more of that. I wish there was more, because I feel like that's sort of a subversion of a trope. Oh, for sure. Whereas, for sure. It was funny. Whereas most of the movie, I feel like, once again, is kind of it took itself by a the book, too seriously, paint by the numbers. I yeah. I wish it would have been a, a little more comedy. stylized maybe yeah i feel like for the most part it was sort of shot in a very basic way yada yada well especially for example like okay because i think of you know the twilight parody vampires suck right where it's just like gory in a ridiculous way yeah you know what i mean so like it's not scary and it's not even that gross because it's so clearly fake yeah and i think that some of that like kind of over the top stuff i guess would have helped this sure. a little bit just on the vampire side yeah and i th- i think like once again this movie follows three teenagers and i feel like you could have used that in a way especially because it's kind of from their perspective and they yeah. did that a little bit with like, with, the, like the notebook and stuff yeah, writing but, down like how to fight the vampires but even then i was like it was like kind of half done whatever granted now i've said a lot of you know the, i've said a lot of criticisms about this movie this is a good movie it's a fun watch it is you're not gonna waste. It's a tight. It. it is a tight, like either eighty six or ninety six no, minutes. No, yeah, I yeah. think it's like an hour twenty six. It's it's a very brief movie, so it's not gonna waste too much of your time. And once again, it's a and good it's thing. It's not a waste to begin with. And it it's deals fun. it deals with some important issues. Yeah, it really does. Because well, it, it also talks about you know of course gentrification, but it also talks about you know the vampires wanted to. Sorry, I bumped the table. The vampires wanted to move to this neighborhood because they were like. There are all these people here, and no one will care if they go missing. Yeah, that's and mentioned a couple times. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, it's obviously just—it's really sad to think about how, you know, a lot of people view people in neighborhoods like neighborhoods in the Bronx yeah. as somewhat dispensable. You know, we also saw that if any of you saw the first Purge, you know, it sure. was in um, kind of like a lower income area where the government sort of viewed these people as dispensable. You yeah. know, and was like, oh, well, we can just try this on them first, you sure. know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah, again, the premise is really cool. I thought the message was great. Yeah. I agree. Overall, though, it's not going to surprise you, but a fun movie. I did yeah. think this was interesting. One thing on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 95% critic score, but only a 49% audience score. And I was looking I at some of, I was looking at some of the audience ratings. Some of it is just racist people who are like, oh, this is a, a race baiting, racial, Ew, whatever. Gross. And it's like, shut up. You don't get it. You're stupid. Stop it. But uh, some people, I think, had valid criticisms, sort of like what we were talking about. I would rate this probably like a, a three, three and a half star movie. Out of five. Yes. Okay. Yes. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> no, 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 that's no, so yes. low. Yes, out of five. <laughs> you know, it's it's a good movie. It's a solid watch. And it's on Netflix. So yeah. Yeah. 90, I mean, three and a half stars minutes. out of five sounds right. Because yeah. I probably did like a seven out of ten. So yeah. that there sounds about right. Okay. So that's Vampires vs. Brocks. First, the Bronx. Bronx on <laughs> Check Netflix. Check it out. It's on Netflix. Yes. So our second favorite, mo- I guess, 
my second favorite movie, Lauren's least favorite of the three, but what I still think is a good one. It was is still good. Happy Halloween, Scooby Doo. Yeah. So this one, uh, Scooby and the gang join forces with Bill Nye and Elvira, yeah. Mistress of the Dark, yes. when Toxic Ooze creates an army of monstrous pumpkins. Yes. Yeah. So this was released on October 6, 2020. So this year, it Literally was directed a week by ago. Maxwell By the time Adams. we're recording this. Uh, screenplay also by Maxwell Adams. Couple Music other by Robert J. Krell. And then starring, uh, that is the cast of Vampires. Okay. Cassandra <laughs> Peterson, Bill Nye, Matthew Lillard, uh, Matthew Gray Lillard. Delisle. Sorry, Gray Delisle. Yeah, who actually looks like Elvira, so I assume that that's Elvira. <laughs> um, Frank Welkner, Kate Micucci. Dwight Schultz and Mindy Cohn. Okay. Yes. I got through that. <laughs> yes. There you go. Good job, Lauren. Good job. Okay. Uh, it has a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb, 3 out of 5 on Metascore, I think. Okay, cool. Uh, that sounds right. But yeah, I, th- I thought oh. it was fun. You know, it's very, I mean, it's very Scooby-Doo. It's exactly yes. what you think of when you think of Scooby-Doo. Yes. Es- essentially, it's, I don't know if we talked about the plot, did we? Did you say anything? I said the plot, yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah. Monstrous pumpkins. Basically just giant pumpkins uh, and some normal sized pumpkins chasing them around. If you love Scooby-Doo, you'll love this movie. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I think it, it, you could definitely tell it came out this year because they do make some timely jokes, which some of them hit, some of them didn't. Yeah. Whatever. But, you know, it, it definitely takes you back and there are some legitimately funny moments I would say. I think Bill Nye is actually used pretty well in this. I agree. There, there are a couple really funny moments involving him. And <laughs> At one point, he, there's like a hologram of him in like the the new mystery mobile that he gives them. Yes. And he's like there live with them, but from a remote location, you know. Yeah. Um, well, at his house. And at one point, he has to leave the hologram when they like really need him to go talk to trick-or-treaters. Yeah. And he goes and is like giving them all of these scientific facts about yeah. what their costumes really should look like and yada, <laughs> and yada, yada, yada. He does that for like half an hour, 45 oh, yeah. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really good the way and the, they, you hear the parent the like, can we wrap that. this up? <laughs> yeah. And a- another fun thing, this is kind of a crossover with the Batman universe. I haven't seen any of the Batman Scooby Doo crossovers, but Dr. Jonathan Crane, aka Scarecrow, is true, in this, true, which true. is a, a kind of fun thing. Uh, it's also. I didn't even realize that was like canonically the same Scarecrow. I yeah, thought that they were is. just two different Scarecrow villains. Nope, so yep, S- same guy. Went over my head. Yeah. Also, it's great to hear Matthew Lillard again. Yeah. You know, as as Shaggy. He is the Miss definitive Shaggy, 100%. That's him. No denying it. So, great to see him. What do you? What would you say this in comparison to Scoob? Um, well, I'm trying to remember everything. Greater than or less Scoob. than? Um, I mean, I enjoyed Scoob more personally. Did you? Yeah. Okay. But like this was still fun, and again, it's it just is like, fun. I this I is just classic Scooby Doo. Yeah, this is classic Scooby Doo. Yeah. Scoob was a little more modernized, but for sure, I think like with this, um, yeah, I just think if you really like classic Scooby Doo, you just want to see basically a Scooby Doo movie that you haven't seen before. This is it. Yeah. I think Scoob is just more of a modern take. For sure, I can agree you with know. that. Okay, one other thing that I want to talk about in regards to this film, you might hate me for this. Elvira? Elvira. Why are you making Come that on. face at me? <laughs> no. Well, well, is Elvira a member of the Hex Girls canonically? I think so. Okay. I don't know, though. Someone's going to fry us for getting this potentially wrong, but I it just reminded me of the Hex Girls and Young Jackson with the Hex Girls. I mean, it was a thing. 
It yeah, was a thing. Okay. You get it. <laughs> I, I really don't have any memory. Lauren is shaking her head in disappointment. I am. I think she's just Sorry. hiding her true feelings. It's okay. <laughs> you can let them out on this podcast. It's a safe space, Lauren. I promise. I just it did crack me up when um you know, so Daphne is basically trying to steal her identity this whole time. Yes. Uh, she becomes like her intern or whatever, her yeah. mentee. Yeah, which that's a funny, that's a it funny, funny plot line. For but sure. you know, uh, Elvira takes off her wig and it turns out to be not quite a wig. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. That was the most shocking part of the entire <laughs> film for me. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I was, like, I, what? I was absolutely just blown away <laughs> by that whole thing. Anyway, so watch that movie if. If for no other reason but for that, to find out I what Elvira's real wig is, yes. Uh, so it's Happy Halloween, Scooby Doo. Yes. I believe f- between four and five dollars yeah. on Amazon Prime or just Amazon in general. Uh, it's a good watch, especially you know we've said this before. Especially if you have young kids, this is one that a the the kiddos and the adultos can all enjoy. <laughs> the adultos. Yes. Yeah, it was fun. Okay, all so right. the final movie that we're talking about here, we my go. favorite. My favorite as well. Three, two, one. Hubie, Hubie Halloween. Halloween. Let that sink in for a second. Because, yes, we did say that. Yep. Okay. So, okay. So, Adam Sandler obviously was recently in Uncut Gems. Uh, yes. Got a little bit of Oscar buzz for it, whatever. Yes. And then he said something along the lines of, like, if this doesn't win the Oscar, I'm going to make the worst movie ever. <laughs> yes. And then this is the next movie he's made. <laughs> so, Hubie Halloween. It's October 31st in Salem, Massachusetts, and the town's eccentric, devoted community volunteer and the good-natured object of his fellow citizens' derision and meanest pranks finds himself in the midst of a real investigation for a real murderer. Yes. Okay, so Adam Sandler is this guy, Hubie. He is technically named uh, Hubert Schubert Dubois. Yes. Um... So Hubie every year, uh, so because Salem, Massachusetts is kind of like the, you know, the home base of Halloween. Sure, Salem Witch Trials, Yeah, where the witch trials were. Um, you get it. So he volunteers every Halloween to make sure everyone stays safe. Um, he, it's the Adam Halloween Sandler. hall monitor, if you will, for yeah, the town. Yeah, he uses, he uses a kind of funny voice. Um, there's so many scenes of him riding on his bike, and people are just chucking stuff at him. Yes. And throughout the movie, they get bigger. Like, at one point towards the end, someone just throws a cinder block at him. There's a cinder block, there's a TV thrown at him. I <laughs> yeah. think there's a Molotov cocktail thrown at him at one point. Yeah. And in these moments, Hubie really shows his dexterity. It's He's quite crazy. dexterous. Yeah, very dexterous. <laughs> As a man, yes. Um, and, you know, his whole house is decorated with uh, Halloween decorations, Sorry, I bumped the table. That's okay. Um, okay, so let's talk about some the cast of this movie. So obviously Adam Sandler, yes. uh, Noah Schnapp, Paris Berelk. I don't know. Those are some of the younger people that I don't know yes. as well. But there are also tons of SNL people in this. Um, Maya Rudolph is in this. Kevin James, uh, Ray Liotta, Steve Buscemi, Rob Schneider, Rob Tim Schneider. Meadows. Shaq's yeah. in this. Uh, Peyton List is in this, if you are familiar with Disney Channel. Keenan Thompson. Basically, also Bradley Steven. Ben Stiller who, has a quick, I think a quick little cameo. Charlie. So um, <laughs> basically, if you know, if you're familiar with a lot of Adam Sandler comedies, just think of the cast of those, and that's pretty much the cast of this. Yeah. Besides Chris Rock, actually. Chris Rock wasn't in this, and True. David Spade wasn't in this. Yeah. So we uh, thought he was going to show up, and then he didn't. Yes. Pretty oh, much and also else, Shaquille though. O'Neal is in this. I think I said that. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> no, no worries. Okay. So Adam Sandler movies are very much hit or miss. Yeah. And when they miss, they are in they a different miss. they're they in a really different zip miss. code. When when they hit, they kinda hit. You yeah. know, the longest yard, the 2004 remake 
is one of my favorite, probably my favorite football movie. It's very good. It's very funny. Here's why I think this movie works. Some of the comedy is over the top, classic Adam Sandler, whatever. Yeah. A lot of the comedy actually works really well. Yeah. And, but the real reason why I think this movie works is because of Adam Sandler's character, Hubie. I he is think so wholesome. Hubie is very wholesome. He's very much someone you can root for. And while some of Adam Sandler's characters, especially when he's being very charactery, which he is here, can sort of feel like just you you just can't attach to them. You can't find anything that you like any similarities. So sure. it's hard to grasp onto them. Hubie is someone that I feel like you can. You can be like, Hubie okay. is someone we all kind of know. Yeah, exactly. And he has a heart of gold. And some of the humor comes from that. It's not just humor about, you know, it's not just crude humor that sometimes his movies are. It's some sometimes movies about just this guy and this He's character. He's trying so hard. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's why this movie succeeds. And he also gets scared really easily. There are he a does. lot of scenes he uh, does. where he just freaks out. Yeah, and it's like, it's fun. It's a fun, like, yeah. it, it's not the most wild, crazy story, but it's fairly imaginative, I would say, and there's a lot of a yeah. lot of fun aspects to it. There are it. a lot of good gimmicks in it. Um, one thing I really like is the Swiss Army thermos oh. that he has. Yes, we have to talk about okay, that. Okay, so he canonically has this thermos that he carries with him everywhere for soup. Obviously, yes, he made it when he was in Boy Scouts. But yeah. in this movie, off the top of my head, here are the things I can think of. It has a grappling hook. Mm-hmm. It has a flashlight. Uh-huh. A uh, megaphone. A megaphone. Gosh, what else? It has a hairdryer. <laughs> yes. Um, he he probably uses it upwards of 15 oh, times. Oh, it has a shovel? Yeah, for different things. And it's so funny, we were talking about this, it's so funny how many of those thermoses like the props department had to make yeah. with oh, just like different Oh, there's a candle at one point. There is He's a like candle. He's like sitting on the toilet and there's a candle yeah. coming out of the thermos. And thermos. See, that's the kind of like fun, imaginative things that I think is why this movie succeeds. I agree. The, the, a lot of the humor is in stuff like that and is in like, there are a lot of also allusions to like different horror movies in this and I think that's also kind of what makes it fun too yeah adam sandler said he was gonna make the worst movie ever and if this was the worst movie ever then that's okay yeah because it it really is an enjoyable movie now i'll I'll say within the first 30 seconds i literally said this movie is horrible (laughs) (laughs) that came out of my mouth this is the worst movie i've ever seen and i i stood by that for about another couple minutes and then i kept watching and hubie really grabs those heartstrings and he's like he just tugs on him he's like hey i'm just gonna go and i'm gonna be the hall monitor halloween of this town I'm just going to do my thing. Bye-bye. Yeah. I want what's best for everyone. And the 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 ending, while it's not like super wild and like you could probably guess it, it does kind of have like a fun... There's a little surprise a there. A fun moral to it yeah. as well. Yeah. So, yeah, Hubie's Hubie Halloween. Halloween. Or not Hubie's. Uh, <laughs> Hubie Halloween. Hubie doobie doo. Yep. Well, at one point they do go uh, Hubie doobie mine. Yes. Pretty good. Yeah. So... Yeah, definitely recommend. It was a lot of fun. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. And I can't believe I'm saying that. I really can. No. I can't believe this was my favorite out of the three. Yeah. But it just No, but literally, again, was. you're going to think it's bad right at the beginning. Give it like five, ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, you'll it see, will, it'll get you. You'll see Adam Sandler throw up and you'll want to turn it off. But hold on. <laughs> hang in there. Give it a watch. It's yeah. pretty good. 
Okay, so, so those are our three movies. Let us know in the comments or whatever what you've watched this recently for Halloween. Reviews. Yeah, your or in your reviews. reviews. Yes, do that. Leave it in your five-star reviews. Yeah. And we'll read it on the air. But I think... Now we can I move think that's on. that's it. Yeah, yes. so when we come back, we'll be reading, like we said, My Life is a Sitcom by Jesse Run Young. And boom. Welcome back to the green light. Green light. It's us again. It's us. So uh, you might notice that you're not hearing any other people right now. Just and us. that is because this play has a pretty big cast. There a are like cast. six characters. Yes. Um, we do have someone reading a role and also doing stage directions. So yes. there will only be six of us, but we could not crowd six people around our two microphones. So what we're going to do is kind of go back to our roots a little bit. Yes. Use the old Zoom mic, not in the uh-huh. closet, just in the middle of the floor, all huddled yes. around the mic. Yes. Um, so the sound quality might sound like a little bit different. Yeah. But, you know, it'll be fine. I it'll mean, be yeah, good. We're just giving you the heads up. Yeah. We've actually, a little bit of podcast editing magic, we've actually already recorded it. Yeah. And it's a pretty fun read. It's a good time. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to get into everyone's going to say who they're reading for, etc., etc. But... You're about to hear us read My Life is a Sitcom by Jesse Run Young. Enjoy! I'm Blake, and I'll be reading for Jeffrey. I'm Will, and I'll be reading for Mr. Beckham. I'm Lauren, and I'll be reading for Joe. I'm Jacob, and I'll be reading for Kenny. I'm Jackson, and I'll be reading for Wit. I'm Bailey, and I'll be reading Stage Directions and Amy. Wit sits at a desk. To his right is Joe, his best friend. To his left is an empty desk. Behind him sits Kenny. Mr. Beckham sits at his desk while Jeffrey gives a presentation. And that is what proves that JFK did not die in 1963, but actually went on to become one of the most influential players in the treaty between the human and reptilian parties during the Intergalactic Space Conference of 1972. Jeffrey returns to his seat as the room claps unenthusiastically. Thank you, Jeffrey, for that informative essay on how aliens started the Vietnam War. Next up is Wit. Wit gets up to give his essay when Mr. Beckham gets a notification on his phone. Oh, my pizza's here. <laughs> Mr. Beckham gets up and crosses the room to leave. But you're supposed to grade my essay. Oh, uh, okay then. Kenny, you grade it. What? what? Don't let Kenny grade me. Yeah, Kenny's the worst. You guys act like I'm not even here. Even Jeffrey would be better. Everyone looks at Jeffrey, who is currently putting on a tinfoil hat. You're right. Joe, you grade him. Oh, and Wit, remember that this essay makes up half of your first semester grade? Mr. Beckham leaves the room. You hear that? I'm grading your essay. Okay, whatever. Tread carefully, Wit Peterson. Your life is in my hands. Yeah, yeah, just be quiet already. Tread carefully. The prompt I was given was, what does TV mean to you? Really? This is a history class. May I continue? You may. Thank you. Now, what does TV mean to me? Well, to answer that question, we travel to the day November 18th, 1947. Your grandmother's birthday? What? No. Well, yes. But, no. Something much more important. A little show called Mary Kay and Johnny was broadcast live for the world to see. This show went on to be known as the first sitcom to ever appear on TV. A legacy that has impacted me more than my own mother. From Frasier to Friends... 
to Seinfeld, sitcoms have impacted me in more ways than I can think of. They've certainly taken a toll on your social life. Ooh, you need some ice for that burn? Shut up, Kenny. You don't have any friends. Hey, I'll have you know that my neighbor Mrs. Addington and I are great friends. Holding up a partially finished scarf. She's teaching me how to crochet. You think you've seen it all, and then bam, Kenny. Some people think sitcoms are all just fun and games, but they've taught me some real-life lessons. Arrested Development taught me how to not extort money from the family business. Community taught me what to do if I was ever caught in a campus-wide paintball fight. And Malcolm in the Middle taught me how to put up with my dysfunctional family while being an intellectually advanced genius. Your family is neither dysfunctional nor are you a genius. Even as a kid, Dog with a Blog taught me what to do if I ever came into possession of a talking animal. So you're saying the legacy of sitcoms is that they teach you how to solve your non-existent problems? Yes. But that's not the only reason they're important to me. You see, the real reason I love sitcoms so much is that I'm living inside of one. What? (laughs) It's true. This is all part of a TV show, and I'm the main character. You know that right now even Jeffrey sounds more believable than you. The only reason you don't believe me is that you've all got microchips in your heads. But not me. I removed mine. Taking off his tinfoil hat and showing them a scar on his forehead, then holding up a knife. I could remove yours too if you want. I'll pass, but ask me again sometime. Okay. But don't come running to me when the lizard people turn you into mindless soldiers for their interplanetary war against the freed Martian states, and there's nothing you can do about it. What? I don't want to kill any Martians. They always seem so nice on Sesame Street. Take mine out. Jeffrey goes to cut Kenny's head open, but Wit stops them. Jeffrey, no! We talked about this. There are no microchips in our heads. You're right. They're beaming their commands into our heads from space. Jeffrey puts the tinfoil hat back on his head, then gets out a roll of foil and begins constructing one for Kenny. Somehow I can see how they think the government is beaming thoughts into our heads, but what I still don't get is why you think that you're living, and are the main character of, a sitcom. Think about it. This classroom is the perfect setting. There are only five kids in the class, the teacher's never here half the time, and even when he is here, he doesn't do any teaching. Mr. Beckham enters, carrying a pizza box in one hand and a slice in the other. An audience cheering can be heard, and everyone looks around confused. It is I, your teacher. I have returned Baron Pizza. Mr. Beckham starts handing out pizza before sitting down at his desk. Jeffrey, why do you have a knife? You know what? Never mind. I don't care. But if someone gets cut, someone else is going to have to call the ambulance. I left my phone in the car, and it's just... so far away. Uh, uh, Mr. Beckham, I I didn't get a slice. No one cares, Kenny. Oh, and there's that! Kenny's a guy we all make fun of despite being a nice person! Like Jerry from Parks and Rec. I love that show. No No one cares! cares. (laughs) Then there's Jeffrey. He's crazy enough that we should be worried, but he's funny enough that we're not. You're only laughing because they're putting funny pills in your food. That's why I always take the cheese off my pizza, in case they cook them into the sauce. He takes the cheese off the pizza, checking for pills in the sauce. Nope. We're good. (laughs) Then there's you, the female best friend with a unisex name like Elliot from Scrubs. I'll have you know that Joe is short for Joannafine. Joannafine? My parents couldn't decide between Joanna and Josephine, so they just combined the two. I would have gone with Josephanna, but to each their own. What about you, though? Everyone else has some shtick going for them. Why are you the main character of this alleged sitcom? Isn't it obvious? I'm the lovable loser who's secretly in love with the girl who sits next to him, like Jim from The Office. What? Oh, no, not you. I see how that's confusing now. 
and this, students, is what we call an awkward situation. <laughs> Don't say I never taught you anything. Seriously, if they find out I'm not teaching you, I'll have to start doing my job. <laughs> but don't you see it now? It's the perfect setting for a high school sitcom. Or a really bad anime. Haha, <laughs> very funny. But you know that the only way my life could be more like a sitcom is if my best friend were secretly in love with me. Yeah, wouldn't it be like totally crazy if I was like secretly in love with you or whatever? Like, you know, how's your day going? Good. Wait, if you're not in love with me, that means you're in love with... Amy walks into the room, texting on her cell phone. An audience cheering can be heard, and everybody looks around confusedly again. Amelia Rose Taylor. Did everybody else hear that, or am I just going crazy? They're coming for me! Crawling under his desk. I do. I shouldn't have posted that expose over the rising kookapoo population. <laughs> to the ceiling. You laugh now, but I'll be laughing over your graves. All 150 of them. Wait, why do you know her middle name? Don't worry about it. I definitely didn't go through her purse. Sorry I'm late. Me and my boyfriend were like totally gonna ditch school, but then my friend Emma found him making out with Erica Summers, so I was just like, we are over. Then I totally blocked him on Instagram, so... I guess I'm here now. Just in time. Wit was just giving an essay on how he thinks he's Jim from The Office or something like that. That's not exactly, um, I guess you're really pretty. Please help me. My mouth isn't working. Oh my god, I love The Office. Really? It's my favorite show. I like The Office. The British version doesn't count. You just don't understand British comedy. They just don't understand comedy. <laughs> My favorite episode is Casino Night. Jim and Pam's first kiss is like so romantic. Though you could argue their first kiss was actually the, the Dundies. The two lock eyes staring for a moment before Amy looks away. That jerk Derek's probably kissing Erica Summers right now. I want to kiss your face. What? Nothing. <laughs> Come on, I'm dying out here. You see her every day. Just talk like a normal person. She wasn't single then. Now she's available and my brain's exploding. Do you know how long I've had a crush on her? Well, have you ever made a move? I smelled her hair once. Ew, gross. It smelled like apples and cinnamon. You're describing apple crisp. I know. Just ask her out already. You're going from lovable loser to creepy stalker real fast. I can't do that. Sure you can. Do you want to go out with her? Yeah. Then ask her. Okay, here I go. Wit turns back to Amy, but just stares. I can't do it. Why not? My mouth makes words, but not now. Whatever, just turn around, I'll tell you what to say. Wit turns back to Amy. Will, Will you, you go, go out, out with, with me? me? Yes. yes! Great! What? Um, Mr. Beckham, my goldfish died, and I'd like to go home now. <laughs> Joe gets up to leave. Wait! Joe stops and turns around. I don't know why I said that. It's like somebody made me or something. Pointing towards the ceiling. It's the government. Save yourself before they take your bite forever. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey throws a tinfoil hat at Joe. No! It's the writers! What? what? It's true! This is the dreaded mid-season twist. What are you talking about? Today is the last day of the semester. If each school year is one season, then this is the mid-season twist. The whole time I've been drooling over Amy, Joe's been drooling over me. Drooling is a strong word. And now, they're making me choose between my best friend and the girl I've been in love with for two years. 
The bastards. I'm confused. Nobody, Nobody cares, cares, Kenny. <laughs> Wait, you've been in love with me for two years? Oh, Amy, I've been in love with you since the day we met. Which was, yes, two years ago. So you think that some writers out in Hollywood are writing you into a love triangle because people have nothing better to do on a Friday night than watch you decide which classmate you want to go out with? Pausing to think, looking out towards the audience, then back towards Joe. Yes. I just don't get it. Why do you think your life is a sitcom? Does the whole world revolve around you and this little made-up fantasy show you've created? Well, I am the main character. How stupid are you? Think about it this way. If my life is not a sitcom, then how else can you possibly explain not one, but two women saying yes to go on a date with me? Everyone stops to think, realization crossing their faces. Oh, that makes sense! I thought I just wanted to get back at Derek by posting pictures with you on Twitter, but this makes much more sense. (laughs) Maybe it's not the government or the lizard people. Maybe it was the writers the whole time. I am still lost. So, Wit, guess this is it. The big climax. Who are you gonna pick? Me or Amy? Um, well, let's see. Looking back and forth between the two. I don't know. I've never been in a love triangle before. It's really stressful. Well, I'm not waiting around. I'm in a text chain with Derek's friend Brandon, and I think he likes me. Yeah, but we're not waiting forever. God knows I've waited long enough. Um, if I had to choose... Wiping the sweat off his brow. I choose... I choose... Wait. I don't have to choose. What? What? It's true. If this really is a sitcom, then the ending's already laid out for me. The writers already know who I'm going to choose because they've written the ending. Okay, now I'm confused. It's simple. I'll let fate decide. I'll close my eyes and randomly point to one of you. The writers know who I'm supposed to end up with, so when I open my eyes, I'll be pointing to my one true love. My soulmate. You sure about this? I'm more sure about this than I've been about anything in my whole life. So, like, 2%. (laughs) Ha ha ha, very funny. Shutting his eyes, extending his arm and pointed finger. I choose... I choose Mr. Beckham Mike to use the bathroom. Kenny gets up and walks towards the door. I choose you! Wit opens his eyes to reveal he is pointing at Kenny, who's standing between him and Joe. Kenny? Sorry, man, I don't swing that way. Honored you chose me, though. <laughs> Extending his arm for a fist bump. Put it there. Wit reluctantly fist bumps Kenny, falling to his knees as Kenny walks off stage. The bell rings. Looks like that's it for class. I'm out. Gotta work off this pizza. (laughs) With more pizza. (laughs) Mr. Beckham leaves the room, looking at her phone. Oh. My. God. Brandon wants to meet by the tennis courts. Maybe he wants to make out. (laughs) Sorry about your sitcom being canceled or whatever. See you later, Joe. Yeah, see ya. Amy leaves the room, looking at her phone. Jeffrey walks over to Wit. He takes the tinfoil cap off of his head and puts it on Wit. You need this more than I do. Jeffrey leaves the room. Wit falls over, laying on his side. It was all a lie. There's no sitcom, no writers. Just Kenny. Stupid, stupid Kenny. You know, if Kenny hadn't been there, you would have been pointing at me. Really? Yeah. Sure, maybe you didn't end up pointing to your soulmate or whatever, but maybe the writers don't know how everything is going to go. So you still think my life is a sitcom? No, definitely not. You're totally bonkers. (laughs) 
That I may be. C plus, by the way. What? Your essay? Mr. Beckham said I get to grade it. You get a C plus. C plus? My mom's gonna kill me! <laughs> I know. So you still want to go out? Give it a few more seasons. Ross and Rachel, you know? Yeah, I know. Joe leaves the room. Wait, Ross and Rachel? This is the first season! <laughs> Blackout. Welcome back to the Green Light. Green Light. We are here with our writer of the week, Jeshurun Young. Welcome. How are you doing? Doing good. Great. Awesome. Uh, now, we always typically ask our guests this. What part of the country are you in? Um, I'm coming from Kent, Ohio. So just okay. outside of Kent State University. Okay, oh, cool. okay, cool. How clo- Do you know how close that is to Chillicothe? <laughs> um... I am not entirely sure. Okay. Um, no, that's fine. Jackson was just joking. Yeah. I I was uh I worked in Chillicothe for a summer. Yeah. Uh, I guess a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She did a she yeah. did a show up there. So uh that's really my only connection to Ohio, which is why I asked. <laughs> so, um just let's just jump right in. Uh so we always ask everyone this as you might know, what is your writer origin story? Um so I would say I've been, you know, writing uh, pretty much my whole life, but not not quite. Um, I know a lot of it started me and my friend. We started writing this comic series when we were in fifth grade, um, and it was like a Doctor Who parody. We called it Dalek Boy and Cyber Girl. So that was kind of a – we did it kind of like a newspaper-type comic. Nice. Um, but I didn't start really writing um, until – um, I came up with this idea that um, I've been working on for years. Um, it was actually in the other ones. That's where the um, the uh, tragedy of Resin comes from. Is basically I started that writing that in around sixth grade. That world. Wow. Um, so uh, I tried writing a lot of. I, I've tried writing novels quite a few times and never got far. And I started really picking up in plays a year or two ago. Um, because my high school one act festival, um, was coming up and I wanted to write a, um, one act for that. So we were writing, we were reading, um, Macbeth in junior year last year. Um, and I decided I'm going to try to write, you know, a Shakespearean style tragedy in one act. Um, and that was about to get produced. Um, last year we were in the middle of a rehearsal when we got the announcement that Ohio was getting shut down for the coronavirus. Wow. So that never got produced. So close. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Well, yeah, for everyone listening, we are going to talk more about, uh, that world and those works a bit later. Yeah. Um, That's so interesting too. And I won't talk about it too long, but that you said you started that in sixth grade. I think that's so cool. yeah, it it all started essentially. I found a stick in the woods and was pretending to be like a character, and then decided to try to make the world he's from. 
And then over years and years and years of rewriting the story, I got to where it is now. Wow. Wow. That's well, so I mean, impressive. You can definitely tell reading it that, you know, uh, many years of work has gone into this. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. Mm-hmm. But for now, let's talk about the script that uh, that we're reading. My life is a sitcom. Yeah. So I, I the first time I read this, I absolutely loved this script. Uh, I have actually a lot of history with sitcoms. My family love sitcoms. When I was growing up, I've seen like Wings, Frasier, King of Queens, stuff like that. I've seen those many times through. I haven't seen Seinfeld. Sorry, Lauren. Lauren loves Seinfeld. But you know, a a lot of those sitcoms and then, you know, as I've grown older, things like The Office, Community, things you reference in here, sitcoms have sort of been my jam for a while. So I've loved this script. So I just wonder, what is your history with sitcoms and what inspired you to write a story like this? Um... Hey, probably my uh, my history starts with Parks and Rec. Mm. That was that was the first one because I had watched, you know, grew up watching MacGyver and Star Trek and all these other, you know, old like eighties, nineties, you know, sci-fi or other shows. But you know, when I got recommended to watch Parks and Rec, you know, I started it and everybody the first season slow, so I started watching it. wasn't interested, but then my brother started watching it and I started around season two or three and as a friend group we watched the whole thing I rewatched it again and I've probably watched it four times all the way through mm. wow yeah so that was my first one and from there it just you know kept going spiral you know <laughs> of course yeah so yeah. so question for you this is a heated debate I feel like among a lot of people huh. which do you like better Parks and Rec or The Office Ah. Uh, I've only seen The Office through once, um, and from that watch, I think I liked it better. Ooh, I like but that. I think Parks and Rec has more rewatch value for me, just given the fact that I've rewatched it so many times. But I was, I, I haven't even. I only got through about two seasons of The Office when I went to rewatch it, but I've seen Parks and Rec so many more, so I think it has more rewatch value. That's okay. so interesting. interesting. Yeah, I, I've probably watched The Office. There are some episodes of The Office that I've seen in double digits. I've rewatched it full probably like four or five times. Um, and I probably crazy. watched Parks and Rec, Rec, Parks and Rec, Parks, Parks and Rec, Rec like <laughs> two or three times all the way through too. So I love both of those shows. I barely yeah, ever rewatch and, anything personally, but yeah. And as to where I came up with um, the idea for this um, play, um, it actually started from kind of a joke with our, you know, friend group because our house was always the house everyone came to. You know, by the time we were in high school, we'd show up at our our house and people would be in our living room eating our food, playing <laughs> video games, um, and we weren't even home. That's so funny. So we always <laughs> joked around that um, if you know we we would make a great. Um, sitcom called weekend at cassandra's because everyone would always come over at the um for the weekend um and basically i took that whole idea of you know somebody sitting and thinking my life is a good setup for a sitcom and instead of thinking my life would make a good sitcom they actually thought my life is a sitcom yeah so Huh. Hmm, that's really cool. So moving on to our next question, why did you choose to write this as a play as opposed to potentially a short film or even a pilot? So why it wouldn't be a pilot? Um, simply because I don't think I would have more material necessarily sure, sure, sure. Um, for this specific cast. Um, I do have something related to the cast, but I'll go into that later. Uh, there is um, 
what's it called for the why it's a play that's for the the one accessible um basically oh, when okay. i wrote my um uh you know drama play um you know the one girl in class she was like you know oh it'll be good um but the comedies are always the best so i thought i'll write a comedy and i started writing another comedy didn't like it never finished it and then i came up with this one and i wrote it i wrote the whole play in 10 hours i started at 10 o'clock at night and finished at eight in the morning because i loved the play so you know that's why i really basically developed it for the stage because i knew exactly where it was going to get produced Oh, that's interesting. It also, it's also sort of interesting just to think about it, you know, in the context of the story, it working as a play, because it almost even further removes that idea of it being a sitcom Mm -hmm. and this idea sort of being in Wit's head. And we sort of, we sort of talk about, we have a question about that in a little bit, but it's, it's cool because it's like, he's convinced he's in a sitcom and yet you have a a full audience watching him in a play. And so it's like this, Mm -hmm. this weird, this fun little, little layers you have. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a a cool aspect of it. Um, So let's talk about the characters for a little bit. Um, Obviously, you mentioned in the play that Kenny is inspired by Jerry from Parks and Rec. Are there any other characters in the play who are directly inspired by other sitcom characters? Yeah, so when I wrote this, I had just gotten finished watching both Scrubs and Mr. Iglesias on mm. Netflix. Okay. Um, so Joe, I think was, was heavily inspired by, um, Marisol, um, her character, just kind of that dynamic. Same with, um, Jeffrey. He's straight, straight Lucas from mm-hmm. Mr. Iglesias. Um, I want to say wit. I don't know if I necessarily have, um, a specific inspiration for wit. Um, he's just kind of supposed to be your standard sitcom protagonist. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Beckham, uh, he is inspired by, uh, I forget the guy's name, but the, the guy from AP bio. Okay. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Like I- the whole bad teacher doesn't do his job. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Sure, 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 sure. No, that's funny. I, I have actually only seen one episode of Mr. Iglesias, and it was while I was getting my oil changed. Um, they, huh. they just had it on in the waiting room. But for what I saw, I enjoyed it. So I might have to I might have to watch more of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's real good. You know, quick watch first season, like nine episodes or something, second oh, season I love six that. episodes. Oh, wow. So it's it's you know, it's it's fun. That's great. Yeah. I love that. Easy to get through. For Perfect sure. for me. <laughs> so tell us how you envision this being staged. You know, do you want the stage to look like a multicam setup or just a regular old classroom? Is there a laugh track, an applause track? Are there moments where the okay. characters look at the camera, you know, et cetera? Oh, okay. So um, for the One Act Festival, it's in like a springtime when they also have the band on stage. So part of the advantage with this is that... Um, if I were to get it produced at school, I would be the director. So I would know exactly how I set up everything, which is part of why I don't have a lot of stage directions. Mm -hmm. Um, but so I envisioned it, Mr. Beckham's desk on the left, um, five chairs, three in the front, two in the back. Um, and they're kind of like at like a V shape so that they're both kind of pointed towards the center. Um, 
definitely I would have the where it says you know the laugh track and the audience applauding those would be played over the speaker nice and then in terms of characters looking at the camera there's the one epi- one the one time I like break the fourth wall where Joe asks him like do you think people have nothing better to do than a insert night of the week that one act runs three days so I would want to have that mm, character gotcha. say whatever day of the week it is and then Wit looks at the audience pauses to basically you know they're all they have nothing better to do than watch <laughs> him sure so nice. that would be like the one time like looking at the camera nice yeah that's well, cool. cool. Uh, we were actually wondering, um, you know, for for the purposes of us producing it, just because you know we we haven't recorded our version of it yet for the podcast. Um, so we were wondering if you'd be cool with us putting in laugh tracks every once in a while. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, sweet, okay. <laughs> awesome, perfect, perfect. So let's talk about the ending really quickly because it's it is like a bit of a paradox in a way because it ends like a sitcom at the same time it doesn't because you know Wit obviously ends up pointing at Kenny and you know he sort of admits that you know his life isn't a sitcom but like at the same time it kind of has that like fairy tale type oh opening is left for Wit and Joe to become something in the future so just sort of talk about that ending and then. Answer the question, is Wit actually stuck in a sitcom? You know, I don't know. Oh. Um, he could be. Um, so this, the, the play, it has a really deep theme that I'm uh, not going to super necessarily go into, you know, just so, you know, people can decide for themselves because you might not realize the theme behind it um just reading it but um in terms of if he's actually in a sitcom i guess it actually it makes more sense um for him to be in a sitcom in terms of the idea of the the meaning behind the play Mm -hmm. um and of course it also has that kind of, you know, extra effect where, you know, if he's not in a sitcom, he's crazy. If he is in a sitcom, he is both crazy and right. <laughs> sure, sure. And then, of course, at the end where he dis- well, I don't know, it's. It could go both ways. No, for sure. Okay. And, I, and I think that's kind of interesting because I think depending on. You know, if you perform this, you know, put up a production of this, answering that question sort of changes the way that it's sort of structured and and maybe even how the characters react and things like that. So I think that is sort of cool to sort of allow that for for both possibilities to be true. And then whatever the case is, letting that play out in like the, the previous parts of the play. Sure. So um, now uh, we're going to get into a few bit of questions about you, about your other works that we talked about before. So we talked a little bit about the debate between Parks and Rec and The Office, but what is your favorite sitcom of all time? Um, live action, Scrubs. Mm. Animated, mm. Futurama. Okay. Okay. Very good. My so. my dad was a huge Scrubs fan, and a couple of our housemates also really like Scrubs. I have never watched it, but now I feel like I need I to. I know. I feel like I should. I it know. Is, so it's. I will. I will say it's really, really good. Um, my stepdad, he always, you know, watched it. He really loved it, and I would always, you know, 
go by and I would see him like watching it and I thought, oh, that shows that shows lame. Or I would see like <laughs> one scene and I thought that's kind of that's that's kind of funny. But then when I ran out of you know other shows to watch, I watched it and you know all of a sudden you know a week and a half has passed and ten seasons are gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll wow. have I'll have to add that one to my list. It, yeah. it it is definitely a commitment, seeing as how long it is. But I think it might be worth it in the end. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, excuse me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, but we have to know, who is J.J. Micaiah? That, um, when I first started putting out um, the, uh, it's a pseudonym, basically, a pen name. That's what we figured, Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, My middle name is is hyphenated, so it's um, Jean Micaiah. So oh, okay. JJ Micaiah, and sometimes I go by Micaiah. So it's kind of a, you know, like J.R. Tolkien yeah, yeah, yeah. pseudonym. Cool. That's, well, that's cool. cool. I like it. It's a cool sounding name. For sure. It is. I like that, actually. I will say, though, your actual name also sounds very cool. Yeah, you got a lot of good choices for names, yeah. <laughs> which is like a good mm-hmm. thing, especially as a writer. So like... Props to you on your names, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about uh, your other your other works that you sent us. So you wrote a play, which is um, like one, the, the betrothal of, I think, Merida. That's actually the rewrite. The original the is rewrite. the tragedy of Rezahin. Interesting. So the one that, okay. Yeah. So, so the first time, um, it opens with excerpts from... It opens and closes with the excerpt from the the, the poem right. where the story came from. Um, a lot of the writing just happened to be what we were reading at the time. So you know, I have this idea. We're reading. We were reading Beowulf. So I decide mm. I'm going to write an epic poem. Later, we're reading Macbeth, and I decide I'm going to write a play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I opened it and closed it on that that poem. But yeah, no, the original is the tragedy of Rezahin. And later I decided to rewrite it. Um, and there are vast differences in terms of theme, characters, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I noticed the, the endings were different too. But Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for, for everyone listening, so um, so you sent us three three separate documents um one was kind of i guess a little bit structured more like a conventional play which is the rewrite and then we have one structured more like a shakespearean play with the prologue and the epilogue and then we have one the tales of grindleshire which is purely an epic poem Mm -hmm. um so talk about this process and your decision to write all three of these versions okay so the this goes you know back to the original story where basically um i came up with the idea um for this character and i started writing the world he was in and originally it was going to be a story called the griffin riders of grindleshire um which was a a blatant ripoff of how to train your dragon (laughs) basically renaming everything and with a different you know thing the original guy he was like this blacksmith that woke up with with no memory um and the weapons he made had like special powers and they had dumb names like you had magnesium the fire sword or doom striker the lightning blade they just sound like like superheroes to me yeah truthfully (laughs) i i was about 
13 when I came up. (laughs) So yeah, that was a while ago. Um, but basically as I started, I, I tried writing a novel on that about three times and only ever got about three chapters in, um, essentially basically as I took it from the real world, it was originally going to be set in like medieval times. And Mm. as I took it into a, you know, fantasy world, which became known as Grindelshire for some reason, I don't remember where I came up with that name. Um, basically I wanted to have backstory that backstory involved this battle between a red and a white dragon, which I took from King Arthur. Mm. Um, and basically that backstory was the story of Zocredin and Rezahin. Um, and that's the, when I started writing the play that I, or, or not the play, the, the poem. And I got about 88 lines in, and that covered the basic story of them. Um, and I want to say, uh, basically it, the, the story just keeps going. I just keep making backstory for the story and then adding it Yeah, is where it, where it comes down to. So the, the, the poem is not finished. I think I'm at 700 something lines right now. Um, and right now it's talking about King Morvan the mighty, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, who is the, the first King of Grindelshire. So, um, he is, let, let me see. He's Rezahin's, not, not Rezahin, Zocredin, depending on the version. Um, He's like his great 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 grandfather. Oh wow, mark. you were you were far um, back in time. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, the oh, it's a whole timeline. Yeah. It's a very, and if you notice when you when you read the play, it jumps around time wise. But yeah, so I, I just kind of decided to write stuff depending yeah. on what I was reading. That's, I guess. that's so interesting and also to see how it sort of develops over time and I love how you talk about how oh you know I came up with these like stupid names for weapons and stuff when I was in you know sixth grade but I think it's cool because especially when you're younger I feel like you let your imagination roam more freely so then mm-hmm. as you grow and mature you can sort of shave down some of those that it's like alright this is kind of ridiculous this is kind of stupid etc etc but then you can sort of keep Keep some of those more more imaginative elements and just expand yeah. upon them, especially in this. So, uh, you know, obviously you've talked about the Tales of Grindelshire, this epic poem. We would just love to hear your... You've talked about it a little bit, but just go a little more in depth about just the process of writing an entire narrative in verse like this. Like, how much time has it taken you? Just etc. Things like that. So, I started it about a year ago. Because I want to say I submitted the first 88 lines to our school's literary magazine, Perception. Hmm. I submitted the first 88 lines to Perception for the October issue. So it's coming up on one year, essentially, is when I started writing it. And sometimes I will sit there. I'd be like on my lunch break um, and I would crank out 16 lines. Hmm. And sometimes I'd sit there and I'd get two for, <laughs> for two hours. Sure. So it's because because I also do music. So that's why I really like the verse, because um, I guess I, I just like rhyming a lot. So a lot of times I won't necessarily even have the story. I'll let the rhyme scheme depict the story. And so I've used this word. I need a word that rhymes with it. I come up with a word that rhymes with it. And now all of a sudden the, the main guy's holding a sword when he wasn't before. And yeah. so I kind of let the, 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 
I let the um, medium depict the uh, story. Sure. That's cool. And I feel like that also adds very much like a musicality to it. You know, and obviously Mm -hmm. with it with it sort of being in verse that, you know, is kind of naturally there, but just sort of letting the the words and the rhyme dictate it. Yeah, it adds that level of musicality and also unpredictability, which I think is kind of cool. Which I think adds like a, a, a really fun element. Um, it also lets you do world world building because you know how like in Lord of the Rings, Frodo supposedly wrote the books. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In in world, there is a a bard named Hansemann. He's the one. This is supposed to be the song of Hansemann. He's the one who wrote this. So it it lets me basically play a character in the world as well. Um, cool. For that, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And it it's so interesting to me because you have we have My Life is a sitcom and then we have this entirely other world which yeah. you know, it's it's kind of hard to believe that both were written by the same person. So props to you for being able to write in into very different genres for and in sure. ma- many different styles across all of these stories. I think that's really cool and to hear you write music too is is just insane. Crazy. So very very cool and, props and to comics. You. Well, that's true. That's well, right. You yeah, mentioned that too. There you, go. you are any of your writing needs guy. right here. Right yeah. here. We got them. But those are all of our questions right now, actually. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. This yeah. was a really cool, really fun interview. Um, do you have anything you would like to plug or talk about before we let you go? Um, yeah, um, actually. Um, in terms of my music, I actually just started – um, there's nothing up yet, but I have put a band camp. I'm going to start putting my music. Um, it's called 907. Um, it's mostly like acoustic stuff. So if you like acoustic guitar singing, you know, that'll be up there. Sweet. Yeah. Everybody um, make sure you go check that out. Yeah, and yeah. If, if if you do happen to have any up but in the next week or so, just send us the link and we can put that yeah. in our description. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, and if you want to find uh, his email, you can also find it in our description. And anything else about this, you can find in our description. Uh, oh, Lauren? Oh. Oh, yes. One more I, thing. I forgot. There's also, um, if you want to see cringier comedy than my life as a sitcom me and my friends run a youtube channel called the house of cringe (laughs) we just hit 50 subscribers so it's you can check that out it's it's as you would expect cringy but (laughs) some people find it funny yeah 50 subscribers that's taken off man we will absolutely provide a description or a link in our description for that as well and thanks yeah, yeah absolutely. let me see yeah I think that's about it so thank you so much again for coming on yeah thanks man we really had a great time yeah me too alright bye All right. bye perfect perfect perfect, perfect.